Welcome to Ecofuturists, a podcast that looks at solutions being put in place today to enrich and support our livable futures. Nigel, hi. Hello. <laughs> so we're we're here in Adelaide and uh, we're at WOMAD, the World of Music Festival uh, that's on here. And you've got a, a kind of physical theatre uh, production uh, that's in, in town, which is As the World Tipped. Do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, that production and uh, the ideas uh, behind it? It's obviously quite an engaging piece. I went to see it on the, on the first night uh, and was left probably quite emotional uh, at the end of it. And we'll kind of unpack that a bit uh, as we go through the interview. But maybe wh- where that came from and, and how you started with that project... Yeah, well, we made the project kind of rather shamefully in some ways about 11 years ago, just after the Copenhagen Climate Conference. Yeah. And um, I'd done a workshop actually with the Armenian aerial company in the UK, with all the leaders of aerial companies in the UK. And they had this um, idea. We'd, we'd done a show with people running around on buildings using the building as a surface. There's a huge stage in there. It was always a bit hard to find the right building in the right town with the right audience space. So they had this idea of, well, maybe we could build a wall, you know, like a 100-metre stage, which we could put up in the air on a crane, and we could all run around and do this sort of work with images and aerialists. And it was just after Copenhagen, and I thought, well, actually, we could put it on the ground, and then we could just slowly tip it up, Mm. you know, Mm. tip everything off it and then go up into the sky. And it was a kind of, felt like a very, immediately, really, within, you know, literally on the phone call, it felt like a really powerful uh, metaphor for yes. what was happening and, and it was during the time yeah just after Copenhagen and uh, that catastrophe you know of the Copenhagen climate conference so we set it in the document room in the um, Copenhagen climate conference where they of course were producing as the, you know the, all the conference packs and particularly the Danish report for the solution and we just imagined what the chaos <laughs> backstage would have been at the moment you know when the first hand went up to sort of object to the report and, yeah. and suddenly 10 drafts on the table and all this competing you know interests and, um, and and before that you actually start with the kind of the extinction desk going through the numbers of species and naming the actual species. We do, and, and in the 15 recorded, minutes, right. we don't, we don't yeah. get past the A's. No, that's right. Yes, and, yeah. and, and particularly... Alabama gets a particularly bad rap. It think, does, doesn't, doesn't it? Yeah. It's very unfair. If, you, if I add, we added, Luckily, there weren't any Adelaidian kind <laughs> yeah, of right. uh, sloths or anything. But, um, yes, they it starts with this yeah. extinction desk, and kind of rather poignantly, because of course we've wondered after ten years, is it you know it's such an old show about an old subject, you know? But actually, it was what I'd forgotten is at the time they have all these files coming in, and and it, on them they say predicted extinctions two thousand and twenty. Yeah. And here we are in 2020, and, the sh- and so what happens is, you know, as they're desperately dealing with all the paperwork and all the new agendas and all the, you know, sub-clauses, you know, the stage is actually tipping very slowly, and a pencil falls off a table, and then a yep. chair goes, and, you know, slowly this becomes this, you know, there's a million bits of paper up on the stage, and boxes, and banners, and flags, and pot plants, and the whole thing becomes a sort of tsunami as they stage rises and then just heads up as it's hit by a typhoon it raises up into the into the sky so it's yeah i mean i, I suppose as a theater maker you're always pleased where you find a, a you know a meta a, a theatrical language which suits 
Yeah, and that, that really works. Yeah. I mean, it really works as a metaphor for the tipping point, which we're now over uh, for the Earth. And I think also what you captured really well was the ineptitude, the weasel words that were used at that Copenhagen meeting not to do anything around the challenges that are facing the Earth. And so, you know, you're left with this feeling of disappointment that our governments are not helping us get out of this situation. Yes, and then at the end, and you know, I suppose I feel it's not a time for subtleties. You know, it says the end, and it feels like you know both the end of the show and, in a sense, the end of this particular period of you know, kind of, you know, of, of, of development of species and plants and billions of animals and all of that. And then they run up the wall and rip it down, and then sort of point towards the fact there's only one way forward now, and that's for all of us, you know, to actually yeah. sort of stand up and, um, and, and say, no, we're actually going to, you know, there is no, you know, any other issue, you know, at this point in history is mm. really dwarfed as we, you know, just seen what is a billion animals mm. die on our doorstep mm -hmm. directly, you know, from, from what we're up to. And it, you know, that's a one degree, you know, mm. I think that's so. Yes, so I mean, I think uh, it, it, it does try not just to be a harbinger of doom, but also a, a rally call to, you know, just get up and, you know, we have to take responsibility for our earth and for ourselves. No. Yeah, well, that's, uh, I mean, that is a difficult uh, message to, to convey as well, because, uh, well, in, in the podcast series that we run, we, we like to focus on a kind of positive message mm. and uh, well, what can be done. I think some of the issues uh, around climate change are just so massive uh, and require uh, kind of solutions to be put in place right across the spectrum. So it's from, you know, individual action yeah. through to city-based action, through to large-scale government policy that supports that, through to industry action. And uh, so I think um, with uh, as, uh, as the world tipped, it really gave you that in, in you know, the, the, the requirement, the... Uh, uh, need to actually action something now, but exactly what people do is then uh, it, it's then a difficult question because yes. you get so many, you know, kind of conflicting pieces of advice. Yes. You know, do you not uh, do you not fly? Do you yeah. go and buy a Tesla? You know, so what are yeah. the? Um, uh, I actually, yeah. I mean, that's now why we run that. You know, that brief which is a recent addition, you know, obviously because Greta Thurber is, you know, kind of in it, so definitely she was too, very young 10 years ago. Um, but I, th I thought they do a great job in that short film we play at the end, you know, mm. like it's very succinct and very, again, has a sense of urgency with more George Monbiot and kind of... But I think that, you know, you can just go out and use your... In a capitalist society, you know, mm. you can actually just go out tomorrow and use your buying power, and in a democracy, you can do something about these disgraceful human beings, you know, that are sitting there at the moment, kind mm. of, um, you know, just following kind of extremely short-sighted, narrow interests mm. when, you know, our future is, you know, in peril. So, I mean, I think there is all, um, you know, yes. We tr so with that film, we felt was really helpful because rather than just say change, it talks a little bit about ways you can yeah. actually kind of yeah. action and it was uh, the first night wasn't when you saw it, it wasn't quite sure because it wasn't a, you know it was the first night and it was sort of we had a vast audience light so it was nice last night so everyone watched the show and we did the credits then they all stood up to go and started to turn and then this voice came up you know, and, and said <laughs> you know talked about what you can do and it was almost like having seen the show they were just you know going back into their lives yeah and then as they were up and active just caught stopped them. and yeah, said yeah. listen you actually don't have to walk off depressed you can 
you know, you can act. Yeah. So uh, tipping point then, uh, it's not only uh, environmental tipping point, but it's also a political and social tipping point, isn't it? So I think we, we have that there's probably a lot of uh, dissatisfaction with current political systems. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we talked earlier a little bit about uh, the UK and growing up in the UK because we're both from uh, a, a British background originally. But I remember when I went through, you know, the student days, it was all uh, riots around uh, the, uh, the poll tax and all, all of those issues. And so, you know, kind of individual... Uh, opportunity to, you know, uh, really complain about things and going through uh, a system, individual action and group action was something that I grew up with as as a student. You know, where's the next riot? You know, where's the next yeah, protest yeah. That, that's going on? And a lot of that had dissipated, I think, in in the last ten or twenty years. Mm. Life just got too easy uh, for us. Mm. We solved a lot of those problems. A lot of the social inequalities were starting to be addressed. But I do feel now that uh, there's this mentality coming back around kind of climate and environmental issues, where young people are individually motivated to do something about it because there's a lack of action around that uh, scenario in the uh, in the political space. So I think your types of um, uh, messaging and also being able to kind of it's a call to arms around a particular issue are really uh, uh, tapping into that uh, you know rebellion uh, mm. uh, kind of mentality of youth yeah and I think looking at my industry you know I mean I actually think you know we're very fortunate to be an artist in the society you know I'm kind of you know really privileged position when people are sitting you know at checkout tills and then you know and I feel we've really really seriously failed our community, you know, kind of, mm. that there has been, particularly in Australia, England much better, particularly in Australia, I mean, just such a paucity of work, you know, people carrying on, you know, doing, working in small spaces, you know, tackling the thing, you know, and I think if you look at great theatre, you know, take Western theatre, sort of, you know, it started with the Greeks and that, you know, the Trojan Wars wasn't some sort of piece of, you know ancient history and the treatment of women, you know, within war or the, you know, all those themes that, that you know, that early Greek theatre within a, you know, I suppose mainly men and, you know, within a relatively democratic space. It was a really important part of their sort of process where encouraged people to look at issues, you know, from, from the heart and from emotion and not just from... And Shakespeare, you know, like, you know... Sometimes people say, oh, but, you know, is your theatre political? Well, you know, Shakespeare's plays, if you rename them in the current, you know, they would be Menzies, Bob yeah. Hawke, yeah. Keating. Yeah. You know, like, he's yeah. talking about the kings, he's talking about his rulers, he's talking about civil war, all the big issues, you know, of the day. Mm. And so, yeah, I've felt, you know, for the last 10 years or so, if there's any opportunity, you know, like, we, sh we really need to find a way to get out there and talk about issues and... and, and on multiple levels now, I think, you know, just the emotion of what we've all just, you know, I live up, you know, we've been, we lived through those terrible fires recently, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I just think we really need to find new ways of marking these events, you know, whether it's about finding the energy and ways of changing, or even just to do some grieving. I mean, last year, you know, last year, we didn't have the fires through where I live, but we did have all those little tiny, beautiful finches and little blue wrens. You know, we had a 47-degree day up there. They just drop out of the sky and lie yeah. on your pavement dead. And, yeah. you know, like that's... To see that happening around you, we can't just, you know, bury ourselves back in, back into our um, 
you know, our computers and our phones. You know, I think we need to find a way of coming together and, you know, responding, you know, emotionally and, and in, you know, and then hopefully in terms of taking action. Mm, that's right. So when you first uh, set out to design uh, The World is Tipping, um, a lot of the, the climate change uh, issues were probably, uh, there was probably some frustration uh, around the Copenhagen uh, the summit, but still a lot of the, the climate change uh, impacts weren't really felt. You know, I mean, we've talked about recently you know, the fires, and uh, we also mm. had a very hot day here uh, in Adelaide, where you know, fifteen hundred fruit bats dropped out of the trees. Dead. Mm. I mean, we're seeing the, the actual impacts of climate change. But ten or ten or so years ago, or more, when you originally uh, uh, conceived of the project, those impacts weren't so so uh, so well felt. So, why were you motivated around activism around climate change? Was it the frustration out of Copenhagen, or was it uh, uh, another interest uh, in the environment or, or, or other issues? It's interesting because um, just because you know I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to jump on a plane, you know, about climate change, go over and see the show for a couple of nights and fly, you know, fly back to Australia. Yeah. So, I mean, that show, the show's done, played in 50 cities around the world, but most of them have been the other side of the globe or in Latin America or, you know. So I haven't actually seen the show that much since we made it, to be honest. <laughs> uh, they've got a fantastic crew and they send me videos and I kind of watch them. Um, but I was actually struck, on the contrary, I was struck last night about the urgency and how much was going on back 10 years ago. You know, like in those, you know, those amazing images in the show when you've got people just looking at us sitting in water up to their necks. You know, that was a huge flood that had just gone through kind yeah, of Pakistan, yeah. And, yeah. you know, and kind of um, flooded a lot of people. So, um, and, and, you know, as we listen to all of those politicians turning up, you know, because you hear... You know, the, all the soundtrack is taken from Copenhagen. It's all... It's uh, actual words, isn't it? It's it actually, the whole, there's nothing that yeah. wasn't said at Copenhagen. I mean, there no. is no words which aren't said at Copenhagen. No. So, and, and, to that, hear and that's the most the, depressing thing. Yeah, I mean, it is, whole. isn't it? I mean, I wondered, I thought, God, it's so, <laughs> you know, it's so out of date. It's all, you know, is it, and I know Ian, when he saw it, he said, oh, it's eight years ago, it's Copenhagen, so blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, Paris came along, and we thought, oh, well, you know, thank God for that. But it is mean the show is going to <laughs> finish its life, because, you know... <laughs> Finally, we've done something. So a show about not doing anything. It's kind of, and I was really, I was really struck when I heard it in the dress rehearsal again you know, on Thursday night. Mm. You know, just it, 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 in some ways, I thought it was more powerful than and all those people who have come and gone. You know, Brown, Rudd, mm. Obama. You know, mm. they've all. You know, they're all distant voices from the past. But they, you know, they were saying it's the most crucial issue of our time. Every generation will never ever forgive us if we don't sort it out now. You hear all this stuff, and right. and um, we're, you know, and we've just gone backwards. It's almost incredible that, to 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 think. You know how you know how poorly we've um, we've um, how little we've achieved, and how appalling that if there's anybody, it's just unbelievable that mm -hmm. if there's anyone who's holding it back with greasy teeth, digging their tails in the ground in terms of the world changing, it's the country which has the most fragile environment and has the most to lose. And we've just, you know, it's very personal. We've lived up in the Yengo National Park, which was right in the middle of that Gospels fire. And last year, we just thought, no, nah, this is not this is not a place to live anymore. You know, we're 10K down the dirt track. We have our, none of our fruit trees, you know, so hot that they don't pollinate. And mm -hmm. our dams are dry for four years and mm. the, the bush is 
ready to go. And we, you know, we hand built that house and property, and it was hard to leave. But we just thought, no, it's not, it's not, it's not viable living up here anymore. And then, you know, three months later, those terrible fires came through. Yeah, and I, I was uh, when I was working in in Edinburgh in the in the nineties, uh, when a lot of the early projections came out around climate change and the impact of climate change. We were working in a research institute where. You know, the projections were, you know, by, and a lot of the projections were by 2020, by 2030. Yes, yes, and yeah. like 2020 yeah. just seemed infeasibly yes. far away. You know, it was yeah, like yeah. Uh, Space 1999 was a TV program back in the 70s when that, you know, and we, we only really have a 20 year mm. uh, kind of horizon of thinking and planning. And, you know, a lot of the, the projections for 2020 was the Amazon was going to, uh, descend into uh, a situation where it became so hot and warm that respiration would outstrip photosynthesis. So it would become mm. a producer of carbon dioxide instead of wow. a fixer of carbon dioxide. Now, some of those early models didn't quite uh, play out as they they, um, they thought, but still on projections of extreme climate change with temperature increasing, those are the kind of scenarios that we're, we're going to be looking at. But a little bit, the uh, we also get caught with extremism, don't we? So um, uh, if you tack on to a, a very extreme future, then there's an excuse for uh, politicians to say, well, it's not that extreme, you know, you're just, uh, yes. you're just uh, uh, focusing in on uh, the worst element. And so then there's... Um, then there's an excuse not to really uh, do much about uh, that, that, that particular issue. But as you say, with each year now, there's so many new examples uh, coming up of how climate change is impacting. And there's relatively easy solutions as we move forward as well. The, you know, in, here in Australia, we could have a massive solar power uh, mm. and uh, renewable resources sector that could actually uh, generate you know, not free, but uh, uh, not carbon emitting uh, electricity. We're moving towards uh, electricity uh, driven cars. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're probably all cutting down a little bit on, on some of the travel. Mm. So we do see at the same time, uh, being able to promote maybe the simple solutions that we can actually uh, promote and uh, undertake ourselves versus uh, the kind of uh, inability to act uh, on mm. behalf of the government. But then it becomes even more important that individuals uh, actually undertake some of this action. Yeah. Yes, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, I have to wear a seatbelt in my car. Do you know what I mean? The company I'm not allowed to smoke a marijuana. Or I'm, you know, <laughs> there's all sorts of rules about my behaviour, you know, that... And yet, you know, I can build a house without any eaves, which means the sun comes in and bakes the house. I can, you know, we... we can, you know, why, why aren't we all drawing? You know, it's, 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 it's not that complicated if you, you know, if you'd said 10 years ago, you know, by now, you know, we all need to be driving electric cars. Mm. We would be. I mean, it's, mm. it would have been a very straightforward transition, really. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, we're such an incredibly, you know, we're a remarkable species in terms of the inventiveness of our heads. And it's, it's just not, yeah, it's just not that hard, really. No. So, through your shows, you, you've got... Uh, you've got access to a massive audience, actually. You must have uh, influenced hundreds of thousands of people through the shows that you've been operating uh, over the years. Do you, do you keep a tab on that? Oh, um, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but you've, you've also probably got access to, to politicians and, uh, 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 you know, policymakers, uh, influencers. Do you, uh, do you aim to influence them? Or do you also, within your own life, do you uh, undertake some positive climate, climate mm. action? Um, well, yeah, we're lucky, you know, to do 
yeah, reach a big audience and kind of, and because I do lots of, you know, cities of culture and things which are broadcast, you know, this sort of, so that's really fortunate. Um, yeah, no, politicians, I don't really get to meet politicians. <laughs> so I, I did uh, kind of have a word with Mark Buster in the park yesterday, <laughs> and I did actually accost Tony Abbott in the street, which was a big moment in my life a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I definitely enjoyed that five minutes opportunity, which I dreamt of for many years. So, um, You're just saving it up, yeah, ready. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, so, you know, I suppose I've been really fortunate to have that opportunity. I think, it, yeah, it's a fantastic subject, you know, to make um, work around because it involves everybody and it's a emotive subject and it's about, you know, all the things the arts, I suppose, should be about. Mm. And as the world tips, it's kind of particularly made so, you know, it's, they, you know when you see a tightrope walk and you go, oh, they're going to fall, they're going to fall, and therefore, it, and it and also when we look up, it kind of opens up our heart, it's our heart, you know, this heart and you kind of, mm. and your throat is open and you're kind of, you know, it's about the sort of heavens and prayer and all of that so to see it in the sky the idea is you know in a sense you're in this sort of heightened state and the fragility of human beings so you know it feels a, 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 a you know it's a like playing in that with that dimensions and upturning expectations or you know what you're just on a stage on the ground so they're all kind of mediums you know I hope kind of help get this you know message across in a different way that we're going to get from our from our smartphone yeah um <laughs> In terms of my personal action, um, we, we've, um, although I have to say, you know, I run around the place doing these shows, and my partner, you know, is the absolute bedrock of this, but we've had mm. a place called Laguna Earth House for, for 20 years, and, and that's, and we do lots, you know, and, and Rosie does lots of courses in, um, you know, organic, sustainable gardening and, and um, you know, all sorts of preservation techniques and straw bale building and mud building and, um, and yeah, the whole range of sort of different, um, you know, small explorations giving people to come a chance and, and learn on the ground, you know, mm. in the bush about some of those processes. Because um, I think we need, yeah, again, we need to, you know, experiment and play and find um, new ways of living. And I must say, I mean, you know, we had a straw bale house, just the, which we built ourselves, really simple. And I mean, unbelievable, 47 degrees outside, inside, you know, mm. after, you know, we could hold it about 23 degrees without any, yeah. you know, and the the walls are full of, of stored carbon, you know, all mm -hmm. that all those um, all that straw that normally has a very brief light either gets rots or gets farted out you know it's held within the mud and then all the timbers came straight out of the I mean of course we were lucky being in the bush there but still a lot of those principles apply it's not compost toilets you know we didn't we were off grid you know compost yeah, yeah. toilets great toilet the, you know they have a fan that sucks all the air straight down and out through, you know, through the combust chamber and out. So actually, it's the sweetest smelling toilet you could ever visit. <laughs> why are we still? Why would we still be pumping, 50, you know, like twenty-five million people's, you know, kind of, um, you know, out into our oceans or having to spend vast quantities of water to clean it? Why would we do that when, you know, technology, you know, created a very effective compost toilet mm. a long, long time ago? So what's uh, so I have to ask what what's next? Uh, so uh, has the world tipped back? What would you like to see as the, the next big project uh, that you'd, you'd undertake? Um, 
Well, you're always slightly in a sort of, uh, um, you know, kind of you wait for some the opportunity to come along. It's kind of, you know. Um, but in terms of the subject of climate and social change, um, I am co-directing the UK Capital Culture um, which is in Coventry next year. And I must say, Shanine, who's the director of that, she's absolutely fantastic. She says, well, of course we want beautiful art, but I want to know what the social outcomes of every dollar we spend are, you know, because we have a community, you know, that's kind of has many, many challenges. So what, you know, so they're very committed to doing an event, you know, which is absolutely about the arts as a medium for you know, you know, helping transform lives and the city and everything. So I'm I'm really excited to work with them, despite it kind of um, the implications of my travel. Um, and I'm trying to also I've been working with Beru's Buchani, sort of a slightly different subject. Um, I'm trying to do a show at Manus Island at the moment, which uh, isn't directly well. It's very much a climate. You know, like I think how we treat people who are. You know, fleeing yeah. is really, really important given the kind of massive issues we're going to have when Bangladesh goes underwater. Climate refugees for all climate the refugees. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'm doing a working on a show in the Pacific again with people who are actually. This is not future case. These are people who actually had to leave their homes because you know they dig their fields and they fill with salt water and mm -hmm. sort of. Um, so that's a project, you know, that's sort of a year after next that we've kind of started. We just went to Vanuatu um, last month and amazing kind of, the island we were on actually, way out, sort of entirely subsistence island and, and, and they've got a mountain there. So they're not too worried about rising tide, but they, they have a whole custom way of growing their taro and all their food and everything is laid down when this, you know, when this fruit when this tree flowers we put this in and that and that, you know and there's a whole kind of progress of process of growing and that's out the window now that's mm. completely there is no not costume is no good to them it's just so they've you know the chiefs have got together and you know kind of put together an emergency climate change committee and they're trying to explore how to respond to that they're often planting everything, mm -hmm. just putting a bit of everything in the ground see and what'll, see what will happen because yeah. they don't know the season. Yeah. But they're like the lychee tree in the garden, you know, hadn't fruited for three years. And they're actually amazing. They're actually going up into the mountain and planting all this taro up in the, up in the mountain. Um, and, and no one's allowed to go up there. You know, it's, it's, mm. it's up there to spread so that if... Um, if things get really, I mean, typhoons are really bad there. That's how they are going to get hit, you know, right mm -hmm. in the beginning of where a lot of those big storms we get are formed out in that area. Yeah. So that if they, you know, if those storms come through and destroy everything, they've got this kind of refuge up in the, up in the forest of sort of food so they won't all starve. So amazing, you know, to meet all these chiefs who are sitting down again, taking it seriously because they're close enough to nature. Mm. to actually see the change while, you know, I suppose many of our politicians sitting in their Lexuses driving around the country and on their pensions, you know, not actually offices, or yeah. not actually seeing what's, you know, what's actually happening. And that's the absurd thing, all this argument about what the scientists are saying. You only just have to open your eyes and look. Over the 20 years on our property, it was unbelievable just the change. The change. It mm. was, you know, it changed. Mm. It's changed. Well, Nigel, thanks very much. I look forward to uh, hearing about some of these stories of adaptation and resilience because uh, uh, humanity is 
if nothing else, a great inventor and uh, adaptable and changeable. So I look forward to some of these uh, in the future. And thanks very much for a great interview. It's been really interesting. Cheers. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Food Futurists, a podcast talking about amazing global food solutions.